Hello again. Welcome to the Rambling Viking podcast, where I talk and talk and do nothing because, you know, I love to talk. I talk all the time. I talk about left and right, and uh, I talk about politics, and I talk about I don't know what that came from. Uh, long story short, I was just, I went over to grab my microphone and I looked at it and I was like, I can do this in the morning because it's like 10, 15. I was like, no, I'm going to do it right now because I keep saying, oh, I can do this the next day, the next day, the next day. And then I miss a week and then here we are. Um, I was on vacation last week, so that's why I didn't get an episode. I missed you guys. I miss you. The song by Blink-182. But uh, basically, I just started talking in that voice. And I was like, no, I was like, I need to, I need to do this. I was like, you know, because I love to talk. I talk and I was like, what the, do you ever just do things or things start happening with your mouth and your brain and words coming out of your mouth? I need to get specific because people can misconstrue that. And it's just like, what the crap is going on? Um, yeah, that's me all the time. So you guys might know that. Sorry, don't mean to be too laboring on this uh, intensive intro because I know some people don't like when you just BS around and don't get don't get to the point. Get on with it. It's one of my favorite memes. I was at a graduation and about every minute and a half, I had a buddy who would just look at me and be like, hey, and he would show me his screen and it said, get on with it. <laughs> and I, I kept looking and I kept chuckling, even though I thought at some point, yeah, it might be different. It was never different entire like 45 minutes or hour long speaking of graduations i have something to say we'll get to the main topic which is sports but just stick with me on this because i'm curious and i'd like to know some more i went to a small school about 265 kids in 6 through 12 graduated with the largest class in my school's history 48 kids was that size our graduations about an hour Pretty spot on there. Pretty pretty on the dot. Maybe a little le- more, a little less, depending on the graduation. I went to some uh, in-laws' son's graduation. Class of 18. 18, you heard that right. Their graduation took an hour and a half strong. I'm talking full 90 minutes, one full soccer match on the pitch, start to finish. Only it was way less entertaining for some very specific reasons. So we like we went to this and she was like, yeah, we're going to go to graduation. And I don't know, I guess I'm so used to, I moved from small town to kind of, I, you want to call it big city, but just large city. And so like the graduations... Um, there's this convention center downtown and like a couple weeks ago, it was just graduation every day. There would be three in a day. And I mean, it's these freaking classes with five, 600 kids in them. And it's just huge. Right. And so I'm kind of in that mode in general. I'm like, man, parking is going to be a nightmare. Like let's try and park strategically so we can get out quick. Um, show up. I was like, oh, okay. Not very many. I'm like, oh yeah, this is a private Christian school, really small. And then uh, I don't know where I find it out, but like they all walk in. I'm like, that's it? 18? I was like, boy, we are going to be out of here in like 45 minutes. 18 kids? Yeah, they want to do all the fun. They can do They can do a little bit more per kid. Um, and it still only take 45, maybe an hour at most. I was like, yeah, let's do this. Oh, 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 oh. Was I wrong? 
there's there comes a point apparently when you get small enough that you decide to let every kid, and I mean every graduating kid, make a speech to each parent, not to both as a group and say mom and dad, but say mom speech, dad speech, and even some kids throwing a little grand Mimi paragraph or something like that. And where some of these, some of these, they were guys mostly who, a couple guys who got up there and I was like, that's what I'm talking about. Kept short, sweet to the point. But man, did some of these kids get into all these inside jokes and the parents stand up and the kid goes up there and you're like, oh, wow, that's really sweet. Like you get to say that in front of everybody. Um, maybe I'm a little cynical for this, but I'm like, this holds no place for a graduation. This is because only like three or four people, maybe 10 at the most, if you have some relatives in town for it, care about <clears throat> care about this speech. Yes, it's heartfelt to hear every, other people's speeches, but it doesn't really mean much. And then here, here's the real kicker. I can, I can get over that if you're like, hey, you got 30 seconds, go up, boom. Every kid gets 30 seconds. Even then, that's still only nine minutes if you have 18 kids. No. The worst part about it was first kid gets up there and I'm like, what is this? And I was like, oh no. Is every kid about to do this? And oh, I was in it. We were in it. Well, then afterwards you go and you give your parents a hug, give your mom a rose. Cool. Go sit down. Well, so they're all they're on a line. And they had to break this takes this is so intensive. They break it up into two halves. Nine kids. And they had some more ceremony crap, and they did nine more kids. They couldn't do them all at once. You know why? Because they knew it was too intensive to do 18 freaking like three to five minute speeches all back to back to back. Well, no dirt. Why is this a thing? But anyways, worst part about this is kid finishes, kid A finishes speech. Kid B gets up there, gets her speech. And just starts and just is staring into the abyss. I'm like, oh, does this kid have stage fright? What's going on? Why aren't you talking yet? 20 seconds later, finally starts talking. I connected the dots pretty quickly when I realized, oh, he's letting the kid who just spoke get to his mom, get to his dad, hug him, thank you, and then get all the way back to his seat. Not even like, okay, you're done doing your hugging. Now I'm going to start talking. No, all the way back to the seat. And I'm not saying the kid made this choice. They were obviously told this is how it's done. Here's the thing. The speech only applies to you and your relatives there. So when you are done speaking and you go begin to walk, nobody else, yeah, we're going to watch you because it's everyone sitting in, <clears throat> sitting in a place and they're the only people standing. They might watch you for a second, but next kid can get to cracking, right? Or... At least as soon as they, okay, they're there, they're hugging, boom, lead into my speech. Because they always say, so-and-so, and so-and-so, could you stand up? Um, yeah. But a little bit, <laughs> that's seven and a half minutes of intro on a sports episode about my annoyance with um, graduations that take entirely way too long. So, uh, anyways, you know, you can give me your thoughts. I'm like, hey, how was your graduation? What do you think a good graduation length is? Um, you know, how much does it depend on size? How, you know, when is it overboard? In my mind, there were eight, there were so many things overboard. It's like, you have, you have, you have like 30 kids or less. You should 
be under an hour. All right. You got 20 kids or less. That's 40. That's 30 to 45 minutes max. And that's with you being able to do a bunch of stuff. Like you'll be able to do a bunch of stuff. There were so many daggum speeches and different things from different students. Different. Oh man. All right. I got to move on. So I remember talking about this NBA finals and being like, look, I don't want a four, one sweep uh, where the Warriors win, but I don't know if I'd rather have that and just be absolutely sure that, okay, this is an untouchable dynasty or a seven game series that the Warriors barely win. Well, now that table has been flipped upside down and set on fire with kerosene and then peed on by several dogs and even a dirt, oh gosh, and even a bird managed to land a loogie out of its butt on this fire. Because what in the world? Who are these Toronto Raptors? I can only give all of the credit to what right now I'm willing to call in how with how he's been in these last two series, freaking. <clears throat> Mamba number two, like killer instincts. Kawhi Leonard, this guy, guy with the New Balance shoe deal. This guy is out here with the icest, ice coldest veins. He has glacier ice from the North Pole in his veins. I'm talking not the tip top glacier. I'm talking glacier ice that's 40 feet down freezing cold waters and that is 40 feet inside in the core of the glacier that's running through the zoo's veins because this man has has tapped into a mindset i mean i think he's kind of born with it or he just has it that has then seeped into the whole raptors squad that they are just outdoing the warriors Completely and totally. And you're seeing them just get beat down. Steph Curry had to drop uh, 47 points in game three. And it wasn't enough. And if they get a gimpy clay back and a gimpy loony back and in game four. And Steph is nowhere to be found because he's gassed. Because he, he hasn't had to work like this since 2015 that's my theory at least but i'm basically trying to figure it out and what i'm seeing is the raptors playing hard making hustle plays but they're playing smart too and this instinct and why i say this is stimming because i saw something that was like well was, you know i'm tempted to say this is kyle lowry but it's really Kawhi's leadership you know why it's Kawhi's leadership because kyle lowry has been a choke fest in past playoffs i mean he'd get to a certain point and then he would just die statistically just die um, dude's making hustle plays, taking charges, even though he's not always shooting super well, dude has made some clutch shots, some cold blooded shots. I think the most chilling part and exciting part, look, I'm a, I'm an OKC fan, but I jumped on the Raptor bandwagon, very openly jump on the bandwagon as you know, what half the country did two thirds of the country did for the Raptors to win their first championship in part. It's great to see a team win their first championship. Uh, but it's also equally as great, if not greater to see a dynasty fall sucks. If you're in that dynasty and you're seeing this 
slip right through your fingers. But on the other hand, it's like, whoa, we are witnessing something incredible. Raptors up 3-1, going back home to Toronto, where it's going to be a madhouse. Absolutely insane. People are going to be losing their minds. And they might close it out, have a 4-1. Something I never even discussed about, thought about. I was like, yeah, no, it's either going to be... I remember my two choices were, look, it's either Golden State wins in like five or Golden State wins in, you know, seven or it goes to seven and kind of either team can win. I never once imagined Toronto could win in five, much less six. And I had some people saying that. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, dude. And now I got to look at it and be like, kind of going to tip my hat to you. Whether it was crazy or you were seemingly well-informed, either way, good call, my dude. Good call. But I tried to watch very closely. I will say this. There was a very proud moment for me. I I say proud. I was proud of the evolving of the referees in that, you know, so back when they did the the swipe-through rule where people were getting shooting fouls off of swiping through down low and then going into shooting motion, and they ended that, that was a good moment because people were exploiting that. Now we've come to an era where people like to kick or throw their hip or their butt out or something like that, um, and to try and draw contact while they're in the air. And then on top of that, they don't always necessarily draw contact, but they might look like they do, and then they fall down. They land like they're freaking landing on the most unstable surface known to man. And I'm just like, okay, that's fine. Uh, personally, for me, it's really annoying. I, I'm kind of a tough guy. I'm not against, look, I'm not against kind of gaming the system, like playing smart, like... The other night, Steph Curry, someone was trailing him, and then he just stopped. He stopped, and then they kind of ran into him, and it's like, you know, that's kind of smart. It's kind of crappy in some ways. Like, in the gym, like, someone does that to be like, all right, bozo. But, like, you know, it kind of is what it is. It's kind of smart. What I don't like is when you're intentionally, when you intentionally, when we're, we're seeing the offense has been drawing the contact, particularly James Harden, I think, is the worst at this. But I've been no, I've noticed Steph has been doing it. Uh, he kind of changed his game a little bit to do that a ton and get himself to the free throw line um, for three free throws all the time, which is smart when he's having a down night because it's like, look, he's automatic from free throw line. Needs to get the ball in the hoop a little bit, get some rhythm going. I'm not going to argue with that ever. But in game four last night, well, the other, I'll say the other night. I don't know when this is going to publish, so I got to stop saying last night yesterday. Um. I was so I was so glad to see they called an offensive foul. Kyle Lowry stayed on the ground and didn't scoot forward at all. And he actually kept it. He didn't even put an arm up because he was like, oh, crap, Steph's coming up because he was fighting through a screen and Steph was shooting. And what Steph did is he kicked one of his feet out and he, he tapped Kyle Lowry. And I need his ad. He tapped him and could have landed on his feet. But he's made it of habit. Watch every time he shoots. And about... Eight or nine times out of ten, he's on the ground. He rarely stays on his feet, whether he's touched or not. Just because, oh, I need to be in the habit of falling over, so when I get touched, I'll fall over, it'll be sold, and all this stuff. And you don't maybe consciously think that. You're like, hey, look, I'm playing to also get the foul. Like, if I can get a foul, why not? But kicks him, could have landed on his feet, but he doesn't, and then whistle blows, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And all of a sudden, 
offensive foul. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I want to do the Joey Crawford march. For those of you who remember Joey Crawford, where he would just be over the top tenfold when calling some fouls for no reason at all, where he would, like, I remember one time he just marched like seven steps and one's like, he, he wound his arms up and then boom, did the punch through for offensive foul. I was like, dude, you could have just one step, like that was an offensive foul and done the motion, but he like ran six steps, pranced six steps. That's what I felt like. I was like, what is, what is going on? Um, but that was awesome because I think that's an issue that needs to be addressed league wide is like, look, we've got to start giving the defense some kudos in that if they're in good position and they don't, they don't intrude on the space of say a shooter or specifically the offensive player to cause contact, but actually the offensive player is causing contact like blatantly and overtly specifically with the rule of, you know, messing with someone um, in their landing zone. If you want to call it that, then they need to be called out and they need to be called for an offensive foul. So that was a big moment for me. Um, but also just the fact that they beat them by like 50, 13, like 105 to 92. And I heard a very interesting point on the broadcast, and I'd be I'd love to know you guys' input, but – and this is very rare that I hear an interesting point on the broadcast. I, I so many times can just watch it on mute because half the time, uh, the dudes just get caught up in some weird nonsense. Jeff Van Gundy takes a tangent or just says something outrageous. But I actually kind of agreed with him on this point. He said – because if you watch, if you watch the game, game four, the Raptors were not hitting in the first half really at all. They stayed in it though, and that's always for somebody. If you're ever playing a team and they are just missing, but they are still kind of right there, like keeping up with you, you you better watch yourself. Because all it takes is for them to start making it, and they'll blow you out by thirteen. And what happened? Blew them out by thirteen. They were only down by seven or eight, you know, and really they, they had good looks, open shots. They just want to call a light falling. Well, the point he made is he said, look, them missing good looks isn't you playing good defense, which means in that situation, you need to say, we need to play better defense. Sure, we're up and they're not making shots, but that's not because our defense is good. They're just not hitting right now. And the moment they start hitting, we're in for it. So we need to lock up our defense. And sure enough, come second half, they start hitting. They start hitting. So a couple of random things that I want to talk about. See if I can pull it up. Oh, P pants. What was that on? Well, it's going to be a slight paraphrase. I got to save this post. Good old Reddit. <clears throat> but first and foremost, <laughs> someone. <laughs> I love the I love uh, Reddit because it just brings like the mo- the strangest thing sometimes. But in, on the NBA, so Reddit, <laughs> it stated Clay is zero five when talking trash. And I was like, what? <laughs> so last time he talked trash, he said it when Cleveland when LeBron and then went down three one, and he said, I guess it's a man's game or something like that. They lost the next three. <laughs> And since after game two, oh, shoot. Sorry if that was a really loud noise. I just bumped my mic and almost knocked it over. After game two, he said something about, like, we'll see you in the bay. And now they've lost both of them in the bay and maybe played their last game in Oracle Arena. 
and it ended with a bunch of Raptors fans hanging around chanting, let's go Raptors. Oh, wow. What a more beautiful moment. What a beautiful moment. But I was like, that's a next level stat right there. And then some guy was like, can I inject this in my veins? And they said, username checked out. His username was, I hate Clay Thompson. That's some serious vendetta level stuff. When you don't like someone so much, you dedicate your Reddit username to to, to stating your disdain for that person. Incredible. I was, (laughs) oh, it was incredible. But gosh, I'm sorry. I hit the mic again. And I'm so sorry if you heard that. My setup's a little different right now. And I keep like talking my hands, but I don't have as much space to rest my arms. I'm using a little TV tray thing. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, but going back now, shifting gears to like, that was a next level goober. I would call that an onion stat or lost Ogle stat. Basically, as this has unfolded, I've just like already everyone already knew Kawhi was like just this sleeper cell, like just cold blooded player. Like, dude was great. But you want to talk about it's really unleashing now and absolutely unleashing in terms of like, oh wow, his leadership, even. Because what's scary is when a team wins. Steals two in your home arena, and both times that they go out, they're not like, haha, smiling, like, yeah. They walk out, and it's not just like uh, neutral faces. They walk out focused. They walked out with daggers in their eyes saying, let's get the next one. On to the next one. Like, let's, this isn't over. Like, all business, no messing around at all. That's how they left game three. And people are like, oh, and that's how they just left game four. Because now it's, let's take home this chip on our court. And they're all business. And I'm going to I'm gonna credit this, not totally to Kawhi, but I think a huge part of this is Kawhi. That's his mindset. And it's apparent in the fact that I just read a quote, which is kind of tough to read as a fan. It's kind of tough to read. I'll say just as a general fan, because I then, you know, empathize this, basically put this in terms of seeing other players say this, but on some levels, I also appreciate it. He says, I'm not playing to make a point. I'm not playing for the fans. I'm not playing for the recognition. I just play to win. If that doesn't get your goosebumps going and your blood pumping, I don't know what does. On some level, it's like, dang, he holds no... Loyalty to us, which kind of doesn't. But, you know, it just goes to show how locked in focus he is and what type of guy he is. It's just a little peek into his mindset. And honestly, I think, I think, I think that's, it makes me appreciate him and almost like him more for that. Or it does make me like him more because that's a level of honesty that you rarely see. Usually you see the sort of lip service of, you know, I love it here, best friends in the NBA, You, thanks to you guys, it's possible. When honestly, I think most of these guys are really just out there to play basketball and to get paid because, I mean, that's what the culture preaches. So why would we go against that? But really, they're, they're on there. And so now we'll say this. A lot of the guys do appreciate the fans and they, they learn to, you know, really get 
dug into the culture they're at. Like, for example, DeMar DeRozan. Dude loved Toronto, wanted to be there, wanted a career guy. And I love those things. That's honestly the type of guy I am. It's like, look, you get you get somewhere that you like. It's a great situation. You want to admit, you want to build that situation and bring that championship there. And so it's kind of disheartening to be like, dang, dude just stone cold killer out here to win. But on another level, it's like he was honest with us. He didn't try and say any sugar-coated phrases or anything. He just straight up said, this is what I'm here to do. And he's playing for your team, so great for you. But I'd love to know your prediction. I'm, I'm, gosh, I'm not fully convinced they're going to win this game five because I think Warriors back against the wall. Let's be real here. KD tore his calf and tore it well. It was no strain. Sorry, this is random tangent because I'm saying I was going to say back against the wall. You know, they're going to pull out all the stops. People are going to play. I just want to be sure and be clear. KD is not going to play the rest of the year or in the finals. Then when they when he first went down, they're like, oh yeah, you know, next series, and and then they swept Portland in the conference finals and had so much time, had like over a week, and he was like, ah, eh, still not game one, maybe game two, and maybe they were just resting him just to wait, like he is dire, like we want him to be absolutely good, we don't want to bring him back too soon, but then. Now we're five games deep, and there's and he's still not playing. And they're saying, "Oh, they tried to practice, and it didn't go well at all." Stop it! Stop playing these games like it's oh, it's game to game. He's done. He's out. Leave it alone. He obviously tore his calf real bad. From what it sounds like, he's tried to practice and it just hasn't gone well. So stop it. Um, Clay's gimpy though. KD's out, and that does make a difference. That's made a huge difference because then all their focus, it does shift your focus. But sorry, I'm getting off track. Um, what was I going to say? Not fully convinced they can do it in five because back against the wall Warriors, Steph's going to play all out. Clay's going to play all out. But with that hammy, who knows how we'll do. But at the same time, Toronto's going to be so freaking lit and energized. I wish I'd go to that game so bad. Oh, or just be in Jurassic Park. Man. Because I just love that environment. People just lit and live. And just the energy. Oh, man. You can just feel the pulse of the crowd. <sighs> sorry. Sorry. Getting too into it here. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and call it Raptors in five. Warriors getting gentlemen swept. I'm going to call it. I know I'm super late calling that. So many people called before. Oh, you didn't call that. I was totally opposite way. I was brainwashed. I was looking at the mountain of the Warriors saying, man, what can you do? I believe in Toronto. I definitely believe they could take it that far. But I'm kind of, a lot of times, I acknowledge, let's see what happens. See how it unfolds. Here we are. I'm going to say, Toronto takes this game, takes this, takes the chip home Monday. Monday. Or today, if I end up posting this on Monday. Whenever this, I put this podcast up, Toronto takes the chip. It's either going to be... For context, either going to be Mon- Toronto takes a chip tomorrow or Toronto takes a chip tonight. Either way. Um, anyways, I want to know your predictions. Let me know your thoughts on anything I talked about today, the graduation stuff. Um, sorry if you powered through or if you didn't make it this far. Um, you obviously can't hear me, but uh, listen all the way through next time or uh, I'm going to punch you in the throat. I can't do that. That's Philip Dobranko's thing. I'm sorry. It was a funny joke. Uh, no. Um, getting out of control here but seriously just 
I, I love to have conversation. I know I love to talk, so I do a podcast, but realistically, I love to have good conversation. Um, I find myself li- listening and observing most times just because uh, I, I, I tend have a tendency for casual conversation to take things too deep. Um, um, they're too overthought, whatever, what have you. But um, at Rambling Viking on Twitter or at the Rambling Vi- or not at, or um, email me at um, the Rambling Viking, the Rambling Viking at gmail.com. Uh, love to know your thoughts, your predictions, whatever it may be. Hit me up, y'all. Until next time, peace out, Girl Scouts. I love to talk, and I don't know what's going on, but I have to stop talking now, so goodbye. See you.